Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Thank you all so much for joining us. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Church in Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And again, we welcome you all. And we will begin this morning with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 235 of miscellaneous writings and 220 of miscellany. Hungering and thirsting after a better life, we shall have it and become Christian scientists. Learn God aright and know something of the ideal man, the real man, harmonious and eternal. This movement of thought must push on the ages. It must start the wheels of reason aright, educate the affections to higher resources, and leave Christianity unbiased by the superstition of the senior period. Each day, I pray for the pacification of all national difficulties, for the brotherhood of man, for the end of idolatry and infidelity, and for the growth and establishment of Christian religion, Christ Christianity. <clears throat> I also have faith that my prayer availeth, and that he who is overturning will overturn until he who is right it is shall reign. Each day I pray, God bless my enemies, make them thy friends, give them to know the joy and the peace of love. May I be Eddie. Very beautiful and perfect for all of us today. Thank you. All right, the watching point. Watch number 86. Watch lest you interpret the spiritual blessings of Christian science in terms of material blessings alone and continue year after year to apply your understanding with them in mind. The children of Israel in Egypt are an illustration of an effort to appropriate the spiritual idea humanly year after year. The Egyptians enslaved them and made them work for them refusing to let them go. In like manner, it would appear as if mortal man captures the spiritual idea or knowledge of truth and makes it work for him as a slave to bring to human sense health, peace, and prosperity. While this is the beginner's conception of Christian science, the call soon comes to release the spiritual idea from this slavery to material sense in order that it may become his spiritual, spiritual guide out of the materiality of Egypt into the promised land. It is possible that if one refuses <clears throat> to take this forward step, when the right time comes, <clears throat> he will experience suffering and chastening <clears throat> until he releases his concept of Christian science from the narrow limits of being just a better means, <clears throat> excuse me, of keeping him happy and harmonious in hell. 
The Master's final experience on the cross illustrates this higher concept of the spiritual idea, since he refused to use it to protect himself humanly and physically, and employed it wholly to lead his thought up to God and to keep it there. In that way, he gained his resurrection and final freedom from all materiality. Thank you. All right, comments on that. I like that line, just a better means of keeping him happy and harmonious in hell. <laughs> yeah. Certainly do not want to stay in that hell. <laughs> I know that Florence sees it in the practice, and I do too. People who have been in science such a long time and have done really nothing with it. And then they get themselves into a big model. Because Mrs. Eddy will say that either, si- either through science or suffering. And if you're just going to take the benefits of science for year after year, sometimes you might be living with someone who's a scientist and you take the benefits of their work year after year after year after year and express no interest in learning it or, or how it's done. Sometimes you'll find yourself in a big muddle. And then are the cries at midnight, aren't they? Help me, save me now. And now, yes, let's see all this instantaneous healing, okay? <laughs> well, my friends, it does not work that way. And that this, in this beautiful lesson, subject being Christian science, we are going to learn this and the deeper meaning of what it is to be a Christian scientist. And it is not what was just read from the watching point. Just to make your own material existence more pleasant. That will happen. But it must always be considered a byproduct. And it's only so you can do this work better. And so that you give and help this cause. Because look look where we are now. Mrs. Eddy discovered it in 1866. It's 156 years ago. We've had some time to do this, haven't we? Yes. Yes, we have. One thing I recommend... Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, It came to me the other day to read the chapter in Eustace's book called Why Am I a Christian Scientist? And it really asks a lot of very important questions that you have to be able to answer honestly. And when you do, you start seeing, I mean, it forces one to see just why am I? And and he points out very clearly um, that to be in this for the things, for... um, is, is not going to get you anywhere. It is the wrong, but it was, it's a very helpful um, chapter to read in relation to this watch and to ask yourself, you know, to answer the questions he asks honestly, and that you can really see where your, where your thought is and, and just 
are you in it for the understanding, a better understanding of God is one, but um, for better understanding of God or for the things that you think come from God, two definitely different. So anyway, it was very helpful for me to read that chapter. Thank you. Yes, the Eustace book is wonderful. He lived it and proved it. And you can always tell when a worker has lived it and proved it because what they write has clout to it. It's not just pie in the sky, how wonderful everything is. Um, he, he also has two short letters that I want to read that he gave to patients, I'm sure. One of them says, I am fully persuaded all the time that the one basis of failure with the Christian scientist is his inability, apparently, to really see that a claim is never a person, place, or thing, but is always hypnotic suggestion. The other letter says, if you do not base everything on the allness of mind, and so see that every claim, whether appearing as person, place, or thing, is simply malicious mind operating as hypnotic suggestion, you will not get anywhere. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is very, very clear on that. Mm-hmm. He over and over again. What's a form of mesmerism? And that's why we're so grateful we have his book to study. And I must say, the new one that we had printed is wonderful because of the bigger print, and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful book. It's expensive, but it's <laughs> fifty dollars. But it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, thank God we have these early workers who were really working this science and who can teach us how we can as well. But our main teachers are science and health pros and pros. Make sure we're going to talk about them today too, because we must study these books and know them. It's absolutely essential. And if you don't want to do all these things, you should just go to the doctors or go to New Age. This is what we're talking about is New Age, where you just want the benefits by thinking good thoughts or projecting good thoughts. But that's not Christian science. And we must never, ever dilute what Mrs. Eddy gave us. It would be sinful on our part, on my part, to do so. And anything else is... uh you know, is is based on a wrong belief that there's power in matter or that there is another mind, up, up, you know, other than God. And if you want to live your life according to those so-called rules, you're going to have to adjust your rules every year because they change. <laughs> and you're going to have to live with life as an enigma, as Mrs. Eddy says. It's not a sure foundation. It's like, you know, if you want to... You want to walk over the quicksand? <laughs> Go ahead, but beware. And and if you've been in science a long time, and you find yourself in a muddle, or maybe you know someone in your family has, and you've been benefiting from it, you this this watching point is for you. Okay, this is why it's time now. You learn the science, and you you kind of ignored it for many years, just living life peacefully as you can in matter and now it's time you dig deeper and trials are proof of God's care 
it would be better if you had done it earlier because now it seems so big because everything is such a mess. <laughs> but that doesn't mean God's not with you and that you can work it out. You can. You just have to have the love of God and, and the science to do it. And do it. And do it day by day. And day by day the manna fell. So you'll get all you need each day and you'll just discover you have a listening ear for God, you have spiritual sense, and you have everything you need to work out the problem. However big it might seem to be at the moment, it's all the same. It's all illusion, as as was mentioned by Karen in the Eustace book, Malicious Mesmerism. And after the truth is sweet in your mouth when it heals you, when it's, when it's bitter in your belly, don't get discouraged. We've all been there. It's renewal. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, keep, just keep your eye single and press on. The science yeah, will never fail. Sorry. The science will never fail. Go ahead. I was thinking when you said it, the, the bitterness in the belly, I think, is that moving beyond having, you know, just this using of science for the healing and the keeping you happy in hell, it's the bitterness that gets to that part where, and this was the passage I was trying to remember last week from Hart, but it's number seven in the lesson when she says the signs and wonders are to attest the reality of a higher mission of the Christ power to take away the sins of the world. And it's that sins of the world piece um, that just got completely cut off by the mainstream movement. It's like they're, oh, there's no such thing as sin. No, there's no sin in me. I'm a Christian scientist. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, because we're dealing with consciousness. What, 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 is, what is your thinking? What is your conscience telling you? And when you've, um, you know, been exposed to the, the human beliefs, um, for a long, long time, they're embedded deep in your consciousness, and they have to come out and be rooted out. And it's sometimes not a pleasant experience, because they will fight for their life, <laughs> and you have to keep, you know, declaring the truth and be willing to get rid of the false beliefs that are deep in your consciousness. Thank you. There's one, there's one sentence in, on page 651 in this, that just the beginning of this chapter that I mentioned where he says, there must be a reason for your understanding or it can never survive the inevitable opposition of doubt. And that, <laughs> that, that really, was, I thought, was very a good opening to the chapter. <laughs> Yes. Well, it is, and it's, it's, it explains why a lot of people don't really get serious about science until they've got a, until they've got a big problem that, you know, medicine or psychology or, or whatever can't, can't help them with, or, you know, admits that it can't help them with. This is from a um, March 1886 journal, a quote from Mrs. Eddy, 
as as you know by now, a lot of these things I'm quoting from are things dear Carrie has researched and so she sends to us every week to put in on our website as well as for the round table. And Mrs. Eddy says, when medicine says I can do no more, I have done all that can be done. There is nothing to build upon. There is no longer any reason for hope. Then metaphysics may come in armed with the power of truth and take up the case hopefully, having eternal power to build upon. And in um, the Martha Wilcox book, it was on the carousel this week, the chapter Divine Metaphysics. She speaks uh, quite a bit about semi-metaphysics, okay? And that's the new age. That's the partial stuff that people seem to like to get into. But we are into the divine metaphysics. And as Florence read the beautiful quotes this morning, it's Christ Christianity. That is not just the normal so-called Christianity. This is different, as we will discuss on this hour together. That semi-metaphysics seems like the sweet in the mouth part. It is, and that's all people want, and they don't want to go any farther. And when they hear they have to take up the cross, or there might be some really tough times, then they run. It's the parable of the good seed. And I've given this to you before, but I love it very much in Miscellany 195, where Mrs. Eddy says, if you find yourself in a muddle, we must resign with good grace what we are denied and press on with what we are. For we cannot do more than we are, nor understand what is not ripening in us. To do good to all because we love all, and to use in God's service the one talent that we all have, is our only means of adding to that talent, and the best way to silence a deep discontent with our shortcomings. And the one talent we all should have is is to love. And if we feel we don't, we better find out that we do. Now, there's one small business item I wanted to take care of. And that is that going forward now, we've decided because of we're so busy and because we've added so many new things to what we do, uh, the Liberator is only going to come out quarterly now just quarterly and the newsletter also and the and the forum highlights once a month all right so the next liberator will be is it going to be september then yeah i believe so is it september? i think so september, september that's going to be the one handling the weather hopefully now maybe we'll get them out in a more timely manner rather than, <laughs> than the last day of the month <laughs> And if you have a subscription, then your subscription will just be extended. And we do need to let Benjamin know this because we haven't. <laughs> so, all right. So your subscription will be extended to just uh, but four times a month. It's plenty with all we have on our website. The Liberator is amazing and everyone should get it and read it. You will profit greatly from it. But I do understand we have a lot to read. That's why I'm very selective about what I read. And I don't read a lot of things, especially the more current Christian science literature, because it lacks the clout and the depth. It does. And even if you think it doesn't, <laughs> it does. It does not have the, 
the unction that the early workers had. So, anyway. And the newsletter as well. That's going to be right. quarterly, too. Yes, I said that. Newsletter as well. Yes. Okay. okay. So, be selective in what you read and study. And please, if you don't know science and health, and if you don't know prose works, you better darn well be reading that. Um, and the Bible. In this article, Divine Metaphysics by Martha Wilcox, she says, and I've, I've quoted this before too, but it is so important you hear and understand this. If you were under a claim that had not received, if I were under a claim and had not received my health, I would study science and health through. And then if I were not healed, I would study it again. And then if I were not healed, I would study it through again. And I would keep on studying the truth as presented in Science and Health until my thought gave forth the concrete evidence of truth. Why would I do this? Because Science and Health, with key to the scriptures, is the word of God. From the scriptures we read, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 107. Science and health is divine mind, your mind expressed, and divine mind is, is its own interpreter. And then she goes on talking about many of other books set forth, um, absolute truth or quite all, all right, but they neglect to set forth the necessity of taking the human footsteps whereby we spiritualize our thought. So it goes on, but this is why you need to focus and understand what Mrs. Eddy has given us. And if you think you don't understand it, that's all the more reason you should be studying it, right? Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's certainly in our lesson, isn't it? This is the little book. Take mortals, obey the heavenly ev evangel. Take divine science. Read this book from beginning to end. Study it. Ponder it. And then it will indeed be sweet at its first taste when it heals you. But murmur not over the truth if you find its digestion bitter. Because it has the Christ, right? It has the Christ that destroys incarnate error. Yes. Yes, it does. And when you know these truths, you cannot be tricked or fooled. So um, if you're up in a difficult situation, as my father would tell me, quit your, quit your belly aching <laughs> and get to work. Get to work. Take the book. My mother was healed by reading it of cancer. The first time she read it, it was so revolutionary. It so changed her thought. And I know many have been as well, and that's why we have fruitage. Many are being healed by just coming to our website and um, getting the real truth from Mrs. Eddy, Christ Jesus, and the early workers. Unwinding snarls. Now, I got this email this week from a, one of our members in Texas. Just wanted to let you know on a little information. I have a running conversation on Facebook group called Christian Science, which is basically a bunch of Christian scientists who discuss doctrinal points and historical things on Facebook. 
So anyway, the subject of the carpenters came up and there was some misinformation given about them. So I jumped in with the comment myself and corrected what they said, then gave them some history of the carpenters, etc. Of course, I prayed about what to say and God told me. It was exciting to see people's responses to what I had said and I do, do believe more and more people are finding the carpenters works and not resisting. I also educated the administration on the Facebook page about authorized literature, quote unquote. And to my surprise, they took it well. Many folks agreed with what I said. It feels like the ice is breaking up and the river is beginning to flow again. I felt like I was a COP, exciting. One more thing, this morning I had the opportunity to educate a group of Christian scientists as to how the BOD changed the testimonies and fruitage in the more current issue of Science and Health. I'm careful not to let myself answer, but ask mine what to say. Now, these are wonderful ways in which you can spread the truth when you hear error being spoken. I, do ne I never go on any of these pages. I have no interest in it. But some of you do. And if you do, and if you can correct things, hallelujah. Lawrence? I think it's important. I think it's important. What she's doing is important. So wherever anyone is sent to do the work, it's important. You don't know. I mean, if people don't know the truth, what are they going to do? So I'm sure some, some are destined to do such work, and it's right to do so. Thank you. And that's absolutely true. What's my work to do is not your work to do. And you will be sent and you will meet people. You'll come into contact with people and you can correct misconceptions or you'll see it on the Internet and you can correct it. It is in the Peel book. Peel discredits Carpenter. That was one thing. I didn't even know much of Carpenter when I read those Peel books, but that struck a chord to me that there was something not right about Carpenter. Well, <laughs> there was something not right about Peel. <laughs> yeah, he did. But so people go around with this misinformation about people, and it needs to be cor corrected. And that work is highly important. So, yes, thank you very much, Florence. It could be a great work for some of you who are just in those positions that God has given to you. Sent, as Parthen's article says. Mm -hmm. God sends you just like he sent Jesus. Jesus was always sent to the places that he went with a mission to accomplish. I remember. What was Peel's um, motive? I mean, what was he to get out of putting Carpenter down? <laughs> Who knows? Sometimes it's it's uh, jealousy or competitiveness. Sometimes maybe he, he himself was misinformed. I forget what he wrote, but um, it was something maligning. He was currying to the board of directors so that they would publish his book. That could mm. be, too. Mm. It could be. I mean, I, I, I don't know. We'd, ha we'd have to ask him. Anyway, um, and, and I'm also, I, I do feel, I mean, I, I've never felt like it was our church against the organization, our church against animal magnetism always, but healing takes place. And, and I would certainly expect healing everywhere. It's awakening and certainly within the organization. Why not? And many of you who maybe have dealings with 
people in the organization are finding that out as this person did. Well, they released that Mary Baker Eddie Christian healer. So they did. Obviously, they are capable of releasing good things. They are. Some of that is also to keep everything under their copyright, though. Well, I I actually think that's it's <laughs> awfully suspicious about authorized literature that all of it is under their copyright. <laughs> and well, how and Carpenter was not. So he's not a good guy. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely right. He was not a good guy. He was not. He was excommunicated. As was Eustace. As was Eustace. As was Kratzer. As were many others. If you hello, yes, this is Ingrid. Uh, uh, anyway, whatever motive this person had or anybody has we we can know is anyway error or unreal magnetism that is trying to do its thing whatever the motive may seem the bottom line is always error trying to get its thing there and, and do do the wrong thing uh, I, I would like to uh, bring in those wonderful things that you from those wonderful things you have in that great side of yours for everybody uh, the three steps to resist or uh, take out of the way animal magnetism or how i so respectfully call it unreal magnetism because it reminds me of what it truly is but those three steps that you have one, see whatever it is trying to do. Two, uh, this is a paraphrase of mine, pray and listen to know how it can be stopped and then trust and obey what has been heard from divine mind. And three, make sure it is not done. Uh, I'm just bringing these three steps because he has blessed me so much and it can bless anybody that will follow that. We have to be so consistent and and um, constant on following these three steps to be able to get error out of the way always and and, and whatever motive this whoever people had bottom line is always error trying to get get in the way and these three steps never fail thank you so much for the great website and all, all what you do and and having this on the website so Thank, thank you, you. Yeah. thank you, thank you. And, and yes, there is no explanation for error. <laughs> there is not. You can't explain it. It's just, it's just plain error. Go ahead, Craig. Sorry, I, I'm just thinking there's people that found their own little, uh, uh, not little, but they found their <clears throat> vineyard correcting people on Christian Science. Sometimes people don't like to be corrected, and that, uh, including my watches, that they're clad in a panoply of love and error can't rend its destroyer because i know i have spoken against in the past years and very careful about who i say to because sometimes it is a zinger and i get in response so they thank don't you. deserve that thank you yes we've learned that too you make sure if you do speak up you protect yourself and and don't fools rush in or angels fear to tread don't go around thinking you've got to tell people certain things it has to be definitely god speaking to you that this is something you were to do 
you should be sent. Restrain untempered zeal. Yes. <laughs> he says in retrospection and introspection. Mm -hmm. But there are times when you do. I mean, we're, look what Jesus did. He... <laughs> Be careful for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he went out there with the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's right. He rebuked self-righteousness. He sure did. Big time. He sure did, without holding back. So if God tells you to do that, you do that too. Just know, as he did, that you're in the panoply of love, as Mrs. Eddy said, where human hatred cannot reach you. All right, Lil, would you read the golden text? Heal me, O Lord and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. Thank you. Um, again, Carrie sent me some beautiful articles, one by a Betty Bell called Fruitfulness. Uh, and, and I do believe this to be true, what I'm reading here. I don't only share things that I know to be true in my own heart, my own experience. Otherwise, it would just be words. But she writes, Jesus was a healer, a teacher, and a preacher. So was Paul. It is through the understanding of the principle and a knowledge of how to use the rule that we learn how to heal, teach, and preach the word of God. It is noticeable that the disciples of Jesus did not preach the law of love until they first knew how to heal and teach. The rule is that we first begin to gather the gems of science through healing, then the footsteps are progressive, and we glean a higher light through teaching. Rising away from the beliefs of sense, thought becomes freer, and we are clothed with the gift of preaching. But the three are one, and they cannot be divided, for as we heal, we teach, and as we teach, we preach. So the established rule in science is that no man is called to be a preacher unless he can know his calling to be of God and his ability to heal, teach, and preach the word of life. Now, you know how empty words can be if someone is just preaching, and again, if they, if they have nothing behind it. This is why we're so careful about what we listen to, about what we read in Christian science. It's very important. And to go along with this, and I've always loved this, because this is how Mrs. Evans healed. She taught and she healed. And then she did kind of preach, too. It, it does go in hand. Um, you know, I've had other practitioners earlier on, and they, they didn't do that teaching as well as the healing. It was kind of a mystery as to what was going on. This is why the roundtables, this is to help explain how to do this, because what good is it if we can't do it, if you can't do it? So this is your assignment this week. I know I don't always give them, but this week, The Way in Miscellaneous Writings. It's a wonderful article. But Mrs. Eddy says, the student who heals by teaching and teaches by healing will graduate under divine honors, which are the only appropriate seals for Christian science. So that's approved there. And of course, as far as the preaching goes, you know, I, I don't even like that word, um, but sharing, I like sharing better, share yeah. what you've learned. Story, storytelling. <laughs> well. Uh, true stories. Yeah. Inspiration, inspired stories. 
I just wanted to say a quote I found that talks about that, about needing to actually to truly know the science before you, you, you speak about it. Mrs. Eddy said when people were using her things to create like new age and stuff like that, she said, though they may teach from my books and use my words, if it is done with the wrong thought back of it, the truth about God becomes a lie in their mouths. So, Thank you. Thank you. And also, it is very offensive to me. Anytime anybody quotes, especially Mrs. Eddy, but Mrs. Eddy, really anybody, but especially Mrs. Eddy, and do, does not give her the credit. We really, if you ever see that on our website or anywhere that it's not, that is a mistake and needs to be rectified. And always give Mrs. Eddy the credit for what she says. You don't just quote her and make it sound like it's yours. That's, that is plagiarism. And what she got was so unique, so divine, it, she must be given that credit. Now, in this article, The Way, it talks about the way being three things, which are um, self-knowledge, humility, and love, or divine strength. Christ's vestures are put on only when mortals are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We must walk in the way with which Jesus marked out. And if we would reach the heaven crown summit of Christians, if we would reach the heaven crown summit of Christian scientists. Again, you must be willing to walk this walk and not just talk it, but walk it. Sometimes it can be difficult. But it's always rewarding. In other words, it's for our own good that we're being told to get our act together <laughs> and walk the walk. It's not, it's, it's, it's not drudgery. <laughs> it, it, you know, you, you're not going to lose anything. You Thank might, you for saying all that. It's so beautifully put. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, and, I, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and what Mary read earlier I, about proving the science in your own life before you talk about it. Um, I think that helps explain why there are so many um, different versions or yes. of, this, of, of the textbook, Science and Health. Mrs. Eddy was constantly proving new sentences, if you will, in her own, in her own experience. And when she proved something, she would write it down as a statement of fact. And so we have a textbook that is full of statements of fact that she proved to herself. She says she found absolute proof of this science through revelation and reason, reason. and demonstration. demonstration. She she proved everything that's in the textbook. That's why, that's why it is the textbook. Because we know it can. She even studied her own textbook. I don't know how many authors write a book from their knowledge and then that's it. She she kept saying that she kept she needed to study science and health herself. Yep. So, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's the only way you can really speak about anything. If you, if it's otherwise, 
Like Mary was saying, it's empty. Behind it is an emptiness. Yeah, otherwise it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Tinkling cymbal. And, and also she had the beautiful humility to say like this sentence in Science and Health, advance from the rudiments laid down. And, and this is such a, an important point because a lot of students of Christian science think you can't say anything about science and health, or you can uh, maybe share some divine inspiration that God gave you because it's already written there and you don't say anything. And we know this is idolatry, of course. But she said, advance from the rudiments laid down. She knew that there was still a lot more to learn than what she even had. And this is very important. And that's another wonderful chapter in prose works is rudimental divine science. In there, it's interesting. She talks about people getting healed during her class teaching. Um, And she says, it is seldom that a student, if healed in a class, has left it, it understanding sufficiently the signs of healing to immediately enter upon its practice. Why? Because the glad surprise of suddenly regained health is a shock to the mind, and this holds and satisfies the thought with exuberant joy. This renders the mind less inquisitive, plastic, and tractable, and deep systematic thinking is impractical until this impulse subsides. Now, this is partly, I think, goes along with these instantaneous healings as well. They leave you in a state you're so happy and you kind of just want to get back on your own little path that you were before. But this isn't what it's about. It's about the deeper understanding of the science that we all must acquire. Then she says, only a very limited number of students can advantage advantageously enter a class, grapple with the subject, subject, and well assimilated what has been taught them. It is impossible to teach thorough Christian science to promiscuous and large assemblies or to persons who cannot be addressed individually so that the mind of the pupil may be dissected more critically than the body of a subject laid bare for anatomical examination. Public lectures cannot be such lessons in Christian science as are required to empty and to fill anew the individual mind. This is why this people don't understand the science. They think they go to a lecture or they hear somebody speaking and they got it. No. And this is also the importance of working with a good practitioner who's going to do this and not just wave the magic wand thing. Okay. Then... And this is all rudimental divine science. A slight diversion, divergence is fatal in science. Like the certain Jews whom St. Paul had hoped to convert from mere motives of self-aggrandizement to the love of Christ. These so-called schools are clogging the wheels of progress by blinding the people to the true character of Christian science, its moral power and its divine efficacy to heal. The true understanding of Christian science mind healing never originated in pride, rivalry, or the deification of self. The discoverer of this science could tell you of timidity, 
of self-distrust, of friendlessness, toil, agonies, and victories, under which she needed miraculous vision to sustain her when taking the first footsteps in this science. The ways of Christianity have not changed. Meekness, selflessness, and love are the paths of his testimony and the footsteps of his flock. Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy. Now, you can read the way because there are very important things in there, too, that I won't have time to get into. And before we end, though, I would like uh, Karen to, to talk about what she found or what she wrote about on the forum. <clears throat> okay, this is, <clears throat> this is from um, Immortality Brought to Light by Dorothy Rieke. And... Um, when she talks, Mrs. Eddy talks about, well, mentioned in the Bible, obviously, about <clears throat> the angel standing on the right foot. And this is what Dorothy Rieke wrote. In the article, Immortality Brought to Light, Dorothy Rieke writes, quote, Let us take heed, lest we place our foot only upon visible error and audible sin. When we deny the aches, the pains, the sickness, the sin, our work is less than half done. We must not forget to handle reduced to nothingness through clear realization of God's allness, the, the elementary latent error, the source of all error's visible forms. What is the elementary error? It can be nothing else but the belief that man was born into matter. Remember that the angel felt it important to place the right foot or dominant power upon the source of all error's visible form, that of material birth. If the angel were to stand on one foot only, he had better stand on the right foot. For if there were no latent elementary error, that of man having been born into matter, there could never be any visible error. There would be no physical body to have disease, no material sense to feel pain, no mortals with whom to be in conflict, no matter to accumulate error, no mortal mind to be worried or fearful. How well is the right foot of omnipotent truth placed upon the latent error of material birth when we know that man is immortal and understand he is so, end quote. Thank you. This is the crux of the whole thing. You know, sometimes when I'm at these roundtables, I think I told Gary, it's like having an elephant in the room. We have first we have the gun control issues. We have now now it's a Roe versus Wade, the abortion or not the abort, um, uh, gay rights, all of these pressing race problems, pressing issues. What are what they all go back to the belief you're born into matter, right? You're born into matter, you're gonna die out of it. This is why our stance on all of this is different than even the Christians. And I I am believe me, I'm not here to tell you what your stance should be. We all I know have opinions on some of these things. 
Some things are better than others. Some solutions are better than others. But that is between you and your God. But this, it's all stemmed on this belief of your life and matter, being born into matter. And what did you tell me? Gary said, said it's all an enigma and what else? And there's no solutions. Well, the, no, there's no human solution to any of these issues. The only solution is, the, is Christian science, the truth. That we are God's perfect image and likeness, period. Ritual. Mm-hmm. And man is spiritual, not material. Take away the belief of life, and tr- life, truth, intelligence, and substance and matter, and these issues do not become issues. And we- this, this is where we remain. This is being in the Father's house. To get into arguments and discussions about all this is pointless. It's just, it's all the, the Adam dream, and you can duke it out all you want, but there's no, there is really no answer. It's only in science. It's only by declaring our immortality, by knowing who and what we are as God's child. And then all these other issues fade away is not really terribly important. In the end, go ahead. No, I mean, so we pray consistently that... Uh, we know it and live it ourselves and then pray that receptivity of science and health. Yeah. Yes, and it is the leaven of truth. It is working. And, and the shaking, 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 everyone's beginning to question maybe what, the, what they never questioned before. In the Way article, it says, the physician must know himself and understand the mental state of his patient. Era found out it's two-thirds destroyed, and the last third pierces itself, for the remainder only stimulates and gives scope to higher demonstration. That's uncovering latent error. And then, to strike out and left against the mist never clears the vision, but to lift your head above it is a sovereign panacea. So, we're not to be striking out left and right. Our church takes no major stance on anything. It's up to you to figure things out. And we all have our own ideas, and some are perhaps more spiritual than others, but we know you'll come to the right conclusion with God. Now we're going to end on something really wonderful again that Carrie found. This is Herbert, Herbert Rickey. And It It was an association address by Herbert Rickey in 1948, entitled, No Big Power Veto. And we will put it on the website. So, um, he he talks about veto power in the United Nations, but then he says, how about the belief of little power veto in our daily experience? Christian science teaches that God is supreme. False theology, superstition, and so-called material science declare that matter and evil can veto the mandate of God, divine mind, and the law of eternal harmony. Through Christian science, we are learning that God does not divide his omnipotence and supremacy with the opposite of himself, called evil. In other words, that the so-called veto power of matter and evil is only false belief, to be replaced with the recognition of the supremacy of good. 
when Christ Jesus met the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda and commanded, take up thy bed and walk, he knew that mind was supreme and that matter had no power to veto this mandate of divine mind. The man arose whole and strong. On another occasion, there was in the temple a man who had a withered hand. Jesus said, stretch forth thine hand. The hand extended itself, proving that it had no power to veto the dictate of supreme intelligence. At another time, they brought unto him a man who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. The man put his fingers in his ears, spat and touched his tongue, undoubtedly to show Jesus where the trouble was. But he unto heaven, the reality of all creation, and said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. The auditory nerves had no power to veto the mandate of all hearing mind, that man should hear good eternally. Neither did the muscles of his tongue nor the vocal cords have the power to resist the command of supreme intelligence to be open and free so that man could properly express the qualities of good. You all remember the experience of the master when he was called to the bedside of a little girl who had passed on. You recall how the relatives had just laughed at him scornfully because he had said that the little girl was not dead, but only asleep. Then behold how he took her lovingly by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Death and matter could not veto this mandate of eternal life. The little girl arose and walked and most naturally asked for something to eat. Remember when Jesus was on the cross, how the priests cried out, Others he saved, himself he cannot save. What were they saying? Even this. In other cases, you have proved that mind is supreme and that matter cannot veto the mandate of intelligence. But here, in this case, under this circumstance, matter, death, and hatred are veto vetoing your whole life work. This was Jesus' answer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He saw clearly that matter and death could not invalidate the mandate of God, that his son should establish true Christianity among men and prove that right ideas prevail over all else. Jesus said to you and to me, to all mankind, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is a command. This is a mandate of principle. He did not say that we should be perfect. This is the law of God. Neither you nor I nor anyone has the power to veto this divine mandate. As children of God, we are not free moral agents to accept or veto at will the commands of God. There is no portion of your human anatomy that can veto this divine mandate to function perfectly. There is no phase of your disposition which can invalidate the mandate of God to be perfect. 
There is no aspect of your character that can cry out, no, 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 when perfection says yes. Our leader puts it this way. Man is incapable of sin, sickness, and death, end quote. Why? Because the mandates of God are righteousness and eternal life. See how inspiringly our leader, Mary Baker Eddy, proved this divine proposition in founding the Christian science movement. God commanded her to plant and water his garden. Time and time again, so-called big powers and little powers sought to veto all her efforts. But she knew that since God is supreme, there is never anything that can veto the will of mind. Jealousy was stopped in its tracks. Hatred and materiality got nowhere and only caused our movement to be more alert and thus to grow and prosper. Our leader knew what a practice of doubt that mental practice, whether organized and malicious or unorganized and ignorant, could not veto the mandate of principle that Christianity must be presented to this age in a scientific light. Sometimes, almost alone but always confident, Mrs. Eddy knew that there was nothing to veto the will, plan, and mandate of omnipotent good in her life work. Amen to that. <laughs> Thank you all for today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.